Hello everybody and welcome to the Total Italian Football Podcast for Serie A Match Day 11. We're barreling through the league now, they're coming thick and fast. I say that, I think we've got an international break quite soon. I am Ewan Burns, I'm joined by Kev Pucholsky, how are you? I'm good, a bit, uh, I don't know, tired, been a long weekend. That's the nature of these nighttime recordings, it's bonfire night issue, if you can hear the occasional popping outside, that's what it is. I never know <laughs> yeah. Gonna pick up. It's picked up oh, actually, you, yeah, you were in Manchester, weren't you? Until late yesterday, midnight, somebody started one of the longest firework uh, displays. I'm not even sure it was a display, which is somebody setting fireworks off for a good. I'm going to say 15 minutes. And uh, Stace was trying to sleep, and she was like, "What's that?" I went, "It's it literally started when it struck midnight." So I said, "I'm assuming it's like a party." She went, "Why is that?" I was like, "Well." It's you know it's fireworks night. You went, well, not this fucking late. It's <laughs> just it tickled me. So yeah, you might get a few. There's been some going off uh, behind me. Honestly, I've I've lived in Liverpool for I don't know how many years now, five years or five six years, um, which is mad when I say it out loud. Um, obviously, you've just moved here. Obviously, you've been to Liverpool a million times, but you've just moved here. The fireworks basically start a month before tonight and carry on for about a month afterwards and it's just I don't know what it is about Liverpool as a city but there are fireworks everywhere like we we were at the bus stop to go and do something um a week or so ago and there was kids at the bus station at Liverpool one just firing fireworks into into like crowds and it was it was insane but it's just quite normal it's really, really weird. Um, but anyway, somewhere where it isn't firework night is Australia. And that's where Vito is joining us from. Because I think you're in the next morning now, aren't you? It's the sixth for you. That's correct, Ewan. It's um, tw- uh, as we are recording, it's 25 past nine in the morning. And yeah, bright and sunny in this moment in time. Any fireworks last night or now? <laughs> No, very doubtful. I think the action's probably a bit closer to where I, uh, a bit closer to the city, to be honest, because now there's a lot of horse races going on in Melbourne. Oh, that's not what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> is, is, is that a, a thing that happens at this time of year, or what, why is there horse racing going on? Uh, well, yeah, that's the thing. It's usually this time of the year, and they call it the Melbourne Spring Carnival, and and Tuesday be the Melbourne Cup, and it's known as the so-called race that stops the nation. So everywhere in Australia, people watch it at 3 p.m. in the afternoon. So it's kind of a big deal down here. Oh, well, very nice. I haven't heard of that. Probably because I'm not very interested in horse racing. But now I know that it's a big deal. Um, If you're wondering where Connor is, he was doing various things this weekend slash today, um, mostly involving um, Roma women versus Juve women. Um, and it's just all got a bit too much for him and he's had to step aside. So that's why I'm talking from the very beginning. Um, match day 11, we have had eight of the games. There are two that are going to take place on Monday night. But in terms of what's happened so far and what we'll talk about, Friday night, Bologna won, Lazio nil, which is quite interesting. I'm, I'm trying not to say the word funny, but <laughs> I find it funny. Um, Salernitana nil, Napoli two. I, I I think we need to slightly redress what we say about Napoli, maybe at least in the short term. 
Um, Atalanta 1 into 2. Milan 0. Udinese 1, which is a bit dark. Verona 1. Monza 3. Cagliari 2. Genoa 1. Roma 2. Lecce 1, which very much doesn't tell the story. And Fiorentina 0. Juve 1, which is what has just happened as we're recording. Monday night. Frosinone versus Empoli and Torino versus Sassuolo. Take part if you like. Um, but we're going to start in Florence where Juve did, like, the they really did a Juve thing in, in, in the way that they won this game. The, the, the version of Juve that we now have in this world and that we talk about all the time where they are very uninspiring to watch but seemed to just get results. This was really like the the perfect, what's the word I'm looking for here? Blueprint? Yeah, the blueprint of how they do it. Um, Vito, you were covering this for TotalHypeIntonianFootball.com, which there'll be highlights on there. By the time you listen to this, there'll be highlights, and Vito's thoughts on the game will be up there as well. Um, Moretti gave Juve the lead in 10 minutes, and that was all they wrote, basically. Peter, tell us about it. It was a classic case of Juventus just doing enough to win, and that goal from Miretti was uh, enough to secure that result. It was his first ever Serie A goal, so that was a positive for him. But if we're talking about the general analysis of the game, it was a quintessential Juventus win. That early goal was enough, and they were happy to soak up the pressure for the rest of the game. Sadly, Fiorentina, for all the possession, weren't able to create many chances. And aside from about two or three saves in the first half, Wojciech Szczesny wasn't tested quite a lot. So although from a neutral's perspective, we can talk about how boring were, I don't think Fiorentina with their performance did enough to uh, inspire themselves or produce something that could show that they were able to get a point or even launch a comeback victory from this. That seems to be Fiorentina's problem at the moment is that there's always, you can often watch them and be kind of tricked into thinking that they've played really well. Um, but it's just, everything they do is quite fast. There's always a lot of action and it is sort of fairly entertaining to watch. But when you really boil it down, there's actually very little bite to it. It's a bit of a hit over the head with a rubber chicken. Um, but yeah, the Juve thing, you mentioned Moretti scoring. Um, Juve actually tweeted um, this evening, it, I didn't know this, but he's scored in every single age category for the club now, which is a nice thing for him. And also, in terms of what we're saying about the way that Juve do this, um, Tuto Sport have said about this is the, the third consecutive 1-0 win for Juve now. They've not conceded a goal since 23rd of September, which, to be fair, that was when they... Um, did Sassuolo beat them 4-2? They did, yeah. That was that mad game. So they did concede four on that day, to be fair. But they've not conceded since. And they're right up behind Inter. Um, Kev, what what do you feel about Juve right now? Do you think this is a sustainable way to... Because you know, we saw them do it last season, but it did kind of peter out. Um, I was about to say, they did do it. So it was it. It feels like it was longer. I want to say 10, but it probably wasn't that long where... They either went on consecutive wins or they just sort of didn't concede for forever and a day and they were just sort of getting the job done, like you said earlier, uninspiring. Um, you know, we'll get on to Milan, how they're kind of stuttering. Um, stuttering, that sounded 
I, I sound like I said that really commonly for some reason. And um, uh, not that I'm not common or, uh, from a council. Extremely right? common. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, they look like they're going to be the nearest challengers. However, it does feel like we're not going to have much of a challenge. Um, to Inter no, don't in, say that. In, if Inter don't have a dip. Um, but they've got, you know, no European football um it's, it's probably going to help them even with um issues around the club and Pogba Fagioli whatever else you know they're just they're just they're just getting the job done they they they're somehow managing to sort of deflect a lot of that noise around from outside the team and that's probably a really good sign for having a bit of longevity this year and probably running into quite close in the total race yeah, it, it does sound really mad to say, doesn't it? But I do sort of feel like I forget about you there a little bit at the moment. And I don't know if it is just the, the not being in Europe thing, where yeah, every couple of weeks we've had six, seven teams, whatever it is, performing in Europe, and it's you know, a big big deal, Champions League, etc. Um, and you, they just aren't a part of that. It just, it just feels like every now and then I sort of look at the table or look at the results and like, Oh yeah, Juve played, and it's like no, but that that's Juventus. Like that's that should be like a massive deal, and it just doesn't feel like it. Individually, but... there isn't the names that probably get a bit more airtime. Uh, you know, it's a more a collective as a team. Um, so, so yeah, I think a lot of that's gone. You think they've had they've had such such sort of prominent characters previously. So you think back to front where you've had your Buffon, you've had your Chiellini, Benucci was relatively outspoken also had the odd controversy with sort of things he'd say and then you had a midfield of like Vidal who you know would wrap a sports car around the tree or something but you know all the time while they were sort of winning title after title and they were sort of they were newsworthy less because they were just turning teams over week after week but it was more you know the stuff around sort of the individuals and it, it, it just doesn't feel like there's that that sort of character there from from particular people. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. It, it does feel very functional. I suppose one of the problems with it though is that players like Chiesa, Vlavic, etc., they can and will do some decent things in a team that plays like this. But you're never going to get what we know is possible from those players in this sort of team. Realistically, they they want to score goals and create goals and be scoring a lot more than the team as a whole do, and you know part of that is you know it's their own performances. They need to take more chances and stuff. But just the the way that they're playing at the moment as a team is it does not lend itself to Vlahovic trying to match Lautaro Martinez for the Capricornieri. It's just not going to happen. Um, but that's enough about them because yeah, sod them. Uh, Let's talk about a really unhappy team. <laughs> See, I mean, you mentioned a title race, Kev. Um, Milan do not look like a team that will be in a title race. And I appreciate that's a premature statement. You know, it's only 11 games. They, things can change. They're only six points off the top. But it looked a lot better a few weeks ago. Um, they lost 1-0 at... Was this at home? I think it was, it was at home. home. Jesus. I, I, I predicted this. Oh, you did, didn't you? I, you know, Udinese have got a weird, weirdly good record against Milan at San Siro. Even though they hadn't won for seven seasons, 
you know, in the last decade, they they they, they turned them over a few times. Actually, I. I was, I was less confident about Mostat when I heard they hadn't won for seven seasons, but maybe it was seven games because there's been some, obviously, away games in there as well. But they, we, yeah, we spoke about it before on, what was that, Friday morning when you and Connor were on and just said about the, the, the lack of depth beyond the team when they, they get injured and they had Hernandez pulled out quite um, late ahead of the game. Loftus-Cheek was only fit enough to come off the bench, whereas I think probably if you're Pioli, you were hoping that you could get a bit more out of him because they sort of they lack a bit of drive from midfield because he's he's been quite good since he arrived in Milan. However, his entire issues for everything he's done up until joining Milan in his career has been sort of disrupted by the amount of injuries he seems to pick up. So I don't think they can particularly sort of. Um, Expect them, expect him to sort of save them this year. But um, yeah, it's it's looking like their 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 total challenges falling to falling to pieces a little bit. Yeah, we will have to see how things progress with injuries in January and all that. Sort. You know, there is very much still time for them to fix it. But right now, they're in a position where they're just in, in generally very bad form. And their next game is against PSG in the Champions League, and they basically have to win it to stand any chance going through, and nobody likes to be in that position. Um, Vito, was this a deserved result? Because, you know, you can get situations like this where maybe Milan were battering them, but it just wouldn't go in, and Inezzi grabbed a penalty, or was was this right on the balance play? Oh, it was a deserved defeat for Milan because they did not play well, and also uh, Leal only looked a bit dangerous towards the end of the game when Festi Ebosele came off. Uh, the Irish youngster actually had a very good game for Udinese on the right flank. And, you know, he looks like he could be another hidden gem for the Zabrette. It also helps that Udinese, once again, they've changed coach. They sacked um, Andrea Sotto and replaced him with Gabriele Cioffi. And I think, again, you know, when they do these coach changes, it, somehow galvanizes the team. And I think Udinese deserved to get the win, not just because Milan were bad, but they just stuck to their guns. Everybody played their parts and they were able to grind out the results. I'm sorry, two things here. One, um, a specific request was put in by um, by Connor. Um, it's ex-Bray Wanderers player, Festi Ebersoli. Um Just so everyone's aware. We will get told off. Bray Rovers. Um, <laughs> Bray Rovers, yeah. Um, the other thing, I must admit, the coach change passed me by. I didn't realise they had. No, it's me too. <laughs> um, and another point on that, when they got Sotil, had they not just got rid of Choffy? Or am I thinking of a different team? <laughs> no, no you're that. thinking of a different season. So oh, I think, okay. I think he Choffy... Been there, though, isn't he? Yeah. I think Choffy had left at the end of the 2021-22 season, became the Hellas Verona coach, and then he got sacked from the Giallo Blue. And also, Sotil had taken over early last season, and they were looking like they were going to qualify for the Europa League. But then Gerard De La Faye got injured, and that pretty much ruined their campaign. This is why I put zero effort into learning who manages anyone. Because, you know, like, people in Zaghi is at Salernitana now don't really care, even though I should, because it 
at some point in the next three months, it will just be another one of the names. It'll, you know, Sotia will be there in three months. <laughs> we'll all go, oh, he's no, no. And then somehow it, it just feels like this relentless merry-go-round of these, which is, which is kind of the case in pretty much every league. You know, we need an Italian league, term for that. Yeah. Because it's very much manager in the UK. So manager, manager merry-go-round. Merry, merry-go-round, yeah. Merry-go-round. So we need we need something to go go with coach, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So for the next pod, maybe maybe because I'm I'm too tired to think of that now. I was going to say I need to be careful not to just sit here and start thinking about that silently because <laughs> because we are recording a podcast. Um, but yeah, like I say, Milan, it just the whole thing feels very bleak right now, and that there isn't any there doesn't seem to be any real suggestion that they are planning to move on from Pioli or anything like that. I think it's going to take a handful more defeats for them to reach that point. It's going to take um, it and smash by 5-0 by PSG at home on Tuesday. Yeah, which isn't the stupidest thing that anyone's ever heard um, no, right it, now because they just look very beatable. Yeah, because it, it feels like he, he's got a stay of execution for what he did winning the league with them. But it will take sort of three, three or four sort of consecutive defeats to sort of make them really sort of drop down the table, or one massive result that makes somebody you know press that press that button at, at Milan and, and, and off Pioli will go. It doesn't feel like he's just gonna finish a season and go. I've taken the you know say they finish third again this year and he, he'd go, you know thanks, but you know I've taken them. I won the league. You know we, we did did okay. I can't take this group of players any further it does feel like it's gonna massively sort of blow up for him yeah and the, the fixture list like it it's getting easier than it was before obviously they went through the horrible patch where they played um they played Lazio then they played Dortmund there was a game against Genoa in between that then it was Juve PSG and Napoli all in a row two of them being away from home so like after that run they just needed to beat an Udinese team that hadn't won a game yet. They just needed to beat them 1-0, 2-0, even if it's not particularly interesting, just win. And they haven't done that. Now they're away at PSG. It does just about start to even out. If you if you ignore the Champions League, because they've got this daft group, they've got Lecce, Fiorentina, Grosinone, then they're away at Atalanta, but then it goes Monza, Salernitana, Sassuolo, Cagliari, Empoli. Um, so... In theory, that there is scope in the relatively near future for them to actually build some sort of run, but based on the way that they played in this Udinese game, that there'll be there'll be little faith from fans that they actually have what it takes to do that, which is quite bleak. Um, would either of you go as far as to say that they just don't have what it takes to like to chase that into team all the way, or are you still sort of holding out? I, I thought they'd signed. I thought they'd signed enough to to put a challenge in, but they would need the players to click quite early, and then also sort of a lot of them stay fit. And I think that clearly hasn't quite happened. Uh, and now they're starting to sort of suffer injuries. So no, I've kind of got them maybe fourth really in the potential challenges because Juve are looking strong and Napoli seem to be sort of getting back to, you know, getting their groove again. Peter? 
I think this is really a case of, once again, and I've said it a few times, that Stefano Pioli's lacking in uh, you know, tactical now, so he's showing tactical limitations. I initially was skeptical at first at the end of last season, and when we did the preseason predictions, I did not tip Milan to finish top four at all because I thought there were too many new signings and that would take time to gel. By the way, the way things are looking now, it looks like that uh, although they had that nice start, it seems that with the injuries they're having, especially in defense, things are just not clicking. And most of the other forwards that they've brought in, they're not really picking up the slack for Giroud. Giroud at 37 is still the best striker they got on their books. But Luka Jovic played and he did next to nothing against Udinese. No, Okafor has scored a couple goals, but it doesn't look like he's someone that's going to be firing 15 or 20 goals a season. And, you know, Leo is a fantastic player to watch on his day, but when he's ineffective, uh, then uh, you can't master deficiencies of the team. Yeah, there's just... There's so many players. I think with with a lot of the new players, it's weird. It feels like nearly all of them have bedded in quite well, but none of them have like really torn it up. Do you know what I mean? There, there isn't one that you can go, they've been absolutely fantastic since they arrived. But there's also not really any that you can say they've been shocking or, you know, apart from maybe like Luka Jovic is the one they're all sort of turning on because he was meant to be the, the depth for Giroud and basically every time he has played, he's just been completely anonymous. Um, things are much better for Inter though, because they had probably the toughest game um, you know, of the big teams this weekend and they were away at Atalanta and they won. And it wasn't you know, wasn't a completely thrilling game. Curfew were sorting this one out for us. But they won. And they do sort of feel a bit like what we were saying with Juve in the sense of, but they win. The, the difference is that there are, there's better individual quality in the team. And sometimes they win by quite a few goals. This just happens to not be one of those cases. Perfect segue to what I was thinking about while I was watching this game. Because the weather was like horrid. It was a sort of torrential rain. Obviously, we people will know about the the sort of storm, uh, Kieran, that's sort of battering the UK and battering parts of mainland Europe. And obviously, there's been some, you know, sadly been some deaths in Tuscany because they've taken a bit of a brunt of the weather. And um, whew, we're going back some years now, but uh, went to Turin to watch Inter actually play Torino and meet Connor. And that very day, I was watching Atalanta play Juventus in Bergamo in horrific weather conditions that I was, you know, experiencing in, in Turin, waiting for Connor. But they got the job done. And it was one of those, you know, just professional, if you like, performances, probably a terrible word to use. And, and, and all the time I was watching Juve on Saturday, just looked, they just looked like champions in waiting. So mad to say, you know, we're 11 games in. But there was there were times in the last couple of years since they won that title in what 2020, 2021, that they've they've sometimes looked on the brink of collapsing, whether that's been in games or certain periods of the season, where at the moment there just still it seems this sort of determination from um I wrote in my piece on the little takeaways that Chan Loglu, you know, because he was quite unlucky to leave leave Milan and then go to Inter and then Milan win the league. 
he looks like he sort of he, he really wants to sort of drive them forward. Lataro looks like he's sort of just player of the season ready and and they, they just look like a total winning squad that they certainly didn't at times last year. Yeah, it's the player that is just standing out so much is Lataro Martinez. And he scored again, and it was a really good goal as well. Um, and we always, you know, I, I definitely don't need to explain it fully again, but we always talk about this idea of him being really streaky. You get little run of games where he can't stop scoring, and then it stops for a long time. But we're 11 games into the league season. Three games of the Champions League have been done for them. He's on 13 goals from 14 games. And, yeah, yes, he got four in that Salernitana game. But at least in the league, there's only four games out of the 11 that he hasn't scored a goal in. Like, it, it almost feels like, I'm probably cursing him here, but to me it feels like he is just performing at a really high level now, week in, week out. And it, it, it doesn't feel as much like it's going to disappear. Would you, do you think that's fair, Vito? Or do you think there's still a chance that he might drop away at some point during the season? Even if he has a drop in form, I think it'd be a rather slight one. His start to this season has been much more impressive than any of the others that he's had since he has been at Inter. So I think that considering how long he has been at Inter, he has the captaincy and that, and the age that he's at now, I think he won't have such a massive drop. I think he's going to be scoring quite frequently. And to be honest, I'd be surprised if he does not score 30 goals by the end of this Serie A campaign. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see who is top scorer because I don't know how many Bitterell's men is on right now, but obviously he's had injury problems. I think he, he still wasn't involved again this weekend. Um, and with Napoli, obviously, yeah, they're, they're, they're actually they're doing all right really now, but they're not as good as they were last season. Um, and it doesn't look like Ozzyman is necessarily going to get the same level of goals. And Lazaro did actually run in quite close last season, but at the end he had a bit of a flurry in it. I think there was only a couple of goals in it. Um, it doesn't really look obvious as to anyone that can really challenge Marcinas. Vito just helpfully told me that Osman and Lukaku were both on six goals in Serie A, whilst Lazaro is on, I think it's 12. 12. So mm-hmm. he's very much doing <laughs> what he needs to do at this stage. Um, that's a very big buffer in the context. And, you know, beyond Osman and Lukaku, who else is there that is going to really be in that frame? It, it, it's not happening for Immobile. It's not happening for Vlavic. Beyond, yeah, unless Simi comes back. <laughs> Somebody like that. Um, and, I, I, yeah, I don't I don't really see who is going to reel Lazaro Martinez in, assuming he stays fit. I think he's a player I've always really liked and it's always felt like he will move on from Inter at some point. Um, and while while they're looking very good at the moment, I, I still think that's probably the case. I don't think they're looking so good that he would never, ever want to leave if, if Real Madrid or Barcelona or somebody came knocking. Um, and they may well come knocking if he keeps scoring like this because, like you say, the idea of 30 goals doesn't sound daft. Um, Inter as a whole, they're two points clear now at the top. They just look solid. Like, it, like Kev, you kind of mentioned off air that it, they're almost slightly hard to talk about right now because they just look solid. And the same players are doing what they need to do each week. 
um, John Olu scored, which he he does at a very good rate for a midfielder. There's just lots of very good players playing very well. They're they're impressively unremarkable, mm. you know, which is, is is kind of what you want. But then you know the whole Patsa Inter sort of phrase. Probably there's some fans there watching on from the Miazza at weekends, thinking, oh yeah, this is this is great. But you turn up thinking Martinez will score this week. Uh, you'll get a decent performance out of Chan Logu. Summer's quite steady in goal. Um, and it's like you, you go home, there's, there's, a, there's a there's a boringness. Boringness isn't a word, is it? But there's nah. a, um, yeah, a, a predictability about them, if you want to yeah, put that Which way. is boring. Yeah, and it's... Mm. Um, yeah, but, you know, they will have, they will have a little dip. You know, that, whether that's when they get into the knockout stages of the Champions League, um, whether they have too much, um, trying to think of an Italian delicacy they're going to have at Christmas <laughs> during that two week winter break. Panettone. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> too much panettone. Um, but yeah, at the moment it's just, uh, yeah, the, the thing I was sort of saying before we came on air was just that, um, it's always the same faces. You know, which is, is great for the Martinez because also that means that there's maybe scope for someone to step in. Um, you know, in Champions League, oddly, when um, uh, Duran was rested, uh, Sanchez came in and sort of got the opener against Salzburg. And actually, you know, that's a, but that you know that's almost what I was hoping for yesterday doing doing the game. You know, just somebody else to talk about because at the moment it's all the superlatives going Martinez's way and. Um, but but that's probably a good thing because Inzaghi's probably sat there thinking I've not had to ask any of the others to actually sort of step up yet. And yeah, you know, then you, but and there are players in that squad who haven't really contributed yet that probably can when the time comes. Um, the other thing is that you know two examples straight away that are players that actually can play a lot better than they are doing in this current Inter team, uh, Bastoni and Barella, because. Both of them are not in their best form, particularly Bastoni. Um, and he, yeah, we, we know full well, he, he can be one of the best defenders in Europe, especially in a ball-playing sense. While Barella has an incredibly high ceiling, he's just quite inconsistent. So I, I do sort of feel like that Inter could be even better, actually, than they are right now, which just feels quite weird to say. And well, um, this is the time of year you don't want them to be much better because, you know, you want yeah. you want the you want the players to sort of pick up over the course of a season. You don't need to be going flat out and sort of smashing teams necessarily, sort of weeky week eleven because you you want them to be doing that when the chips are down and we've got sort of four or five weeks of the season left. And the you know this is the period of time where you're playing the most games as well because you've got the Champions League group stage to go alongside all your league games. Um, Teams in the Champions League, Napoli are one of them, and they won again. They beat Salernitana, which, you know, they're really bad this year. Um, they are now the only team who haven't won a game after Udinese won. Um, they have drawn four and lost seven. Um, they, they just look really poor. It doesn't look like anything drastic has changed, at least immediately under Inzaghi. Um, but in terms of Napoli, Vita, do you think they've sort of leveled out to a point now where we shouldn't really be talking about the idea of crisis or that 
Garcia is imminently getting sacked. He is imminently getting sacked just because it's De Laurentiis and that's the way that things are. But in terms of performance, like they're sat in fourth. They have been for a few weeks now. They're, they're doing fine in the Champions League. They, they should be all right to get through in second, you know, behind Real Madrid, so fair enough. It, it's not all that bad, is it? I don't think so now. I think they've steadied the ships a bit and they're showing that they can win without Victor Ossiman. Uh, Giacomo Raspatori in particular has really capitalised on his chance to uh, play in that centre-forward role. And since Rudy Garcia arrived at the club, I think Garcia's taken a liking to him. I noticed early on that Raspadori was playing ahead of uh, Quaritzkelia on the left wing, especially when Quaritzkelia was out injured. But even once the Georgian returned, he wasn't a guarantee to play on the left wing. So I think the greater utilisation of Raspadori has been a big thing. And also... Elmas scoring that second goal, that was a lovely individual effort. I also think with the North Macedonian, it shows that he's better off playing on the wings because I think Garcia tried to play him a few times in a central midfield role or on the sides of that midfield trio, and I don't think he plays his best football operating too deep. I think when he plays a bit closer to goal, you know, whether it's for Politano and Quaritzkelia, um, I think that's where Elmas can make a bit of an impact. Kev, how do you find them from a visual sense this year compared to last? Is it is it that much different as far as you're concerned? Well, against Salernitana, they weren't as sort of dynamic as as what they what they were last year. They they went ahead uh, sort of ten thirteen minutes. They went ahead through Raspadori, and then actually Salernitana had quite a few chances. I think in, in total they had sort of 10 shots on goal, but you know, three on target. They're, they're highly dependent on DR. And that probably lets them down because they probably could have threatened Napoli. But there was there was a little bit of Napoli maybe thinking because they were sort of look, they were looking at where Salernitana was sat in the, the, the table and self-confidence over their own abilities in the last couple of years. But... They they kind of um, controlled the controlled the game until they sort of had to go in second gear because there was a a few sort of hairy moments moments late on, um, but the amount of work that Lobotka was getting through in the middle of midfield probably indicated that they were getting a little overrun at times. And he had he had a phenomenal game actually, just sort of getting the ball, dispossessing people, and actually he he was taking it upon himself almost to drive forward, which was less of what I saw him doing last year. Last last year, it seemed to be a lot of get the ball and then give it to one of the others. And maybe he sort of noticed some of the the slowdown in the creativity from from some of the wide areas. Um, so it is they're quite a different proposition, I think, for teams that are facing them this season. <clears throat> Sorry, that felt like you were leading into something else. <laughs> no, I, was, I, was, I was trying trying to clear my throat as well. So I, I think I decided to stop just because I was uh, getting a bit croaky. Have to work on your intonation. Um, Roman teams, differing fortunes that neither should really be looking at this weekend as a <laughs> as a blueprint for success. Um, Lazio lost on Friday night away at Bologna. Um, Lewis Ferguson scored. He was having a very very good season for Bologna. He, he was he was very good for them last season. He's been even better this season. He seems to have really grown in importance there. Um, 
and then Roma looked like they were going to do something pretty similar. Um, they were at home to Lecce, who, whose form has gone off a cliff um, since they started really well. Uh, Amkovic, who's been a decent signing, scored with about 20 minutes to go. Seemed like that was it because Roma were doing what they've done for a lot of the season and been very uninspiring, apart from Dybala having multiple moments of just being really clever because that's what he does um, now that he's back from injury, obviously. It seemed like they were just going to lose again. Everyone's going to go, boring, you know, no teeth, anything like that. Um, then Sada Asmoon scores one of the world's most powerful headers you've ever seen. So powerful that it was from, uh, how many yards would it have been? 18, 12-ish, something, yeah, it's maybe 12 yards. No, maybe even further out than that. Because 12 no, is a penalty about, spot, isn't it? I think it was about penalty spot. Okay, about penalty spot. He heads it, it hits the net, bounces once, and then he catches it again. Not even that far away from where he initially headed it. That's how, <laughs> that's how powerful it was. Um, it's pretty, I'm pretty sure that's his... First that goal. could be the tension in the net. Well, I'm sure it helped, but he, <laughs> it was a really powerful header. <laughs> don't, don't take it away from him. Um, Fine, I'm just I'm just remembering your allegiance here. So <laughs> <laughs> I've grouped these two games together. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was one all in the 92nd, and then Lukaku missed a penalty earlier in the game, which was not a good oh. penalty. Um, scored as well in the 94th, and then they won. So, some may say it's papering over cracks, which is what I've had put to me about a different team I support this weekend, who <laughs> also won with a really late goal. Um, but you know, you, you, if if you if you win, there's there's something in that. There's always something in that. Um, I, I was going to ask either of you about these games. I'm not sure there's really a massive amount to say. Has anyone got anything they want to say? You both staring blankly at me. Oh well. <laughs> Well, Bologna have jumped up to six, so I think, you know, as bad it was for Lazio, I think Bologna have shown that, you know, since losing on the first day, they've been a consistent side and uh, they're definitely a team to watch out for and they've put themselves in a Europa League position for the time being. As for the Roma game, this could have been another result in which, you know, we can blast Mourinho or criticise his coaching, but it was definitely a case of a... A great escape, and the last time I covered a Roma game, I saw that Asmoon looked like someone with a few decent touches. It was the Roma Monza game, in fact, and uh, it was good to see him score that goal too. And I think once he gets utilized a bit more, I think he can make an impact, or more of an impact anyway. Mm-hmm. There's there's a very interesting little bit of the table forming where between Atalanta in fifth and Lazio in tenth, there's only three points. So you've got Atalanta, Bologna, Roma, Fiorentina, Monza, and Lazio. Um, and, yeah, there's only then two points up to fourth. So th- there are a lot of teams with very similar points tallies that are all basically aiming for the same spot, which could prove to be quite fun. Um, and you got to say, in terms of size of the team and stuff, M- Monza might stand out there, but they look very... Like that's where they should be. They, they they genuinely just look to be a very solid team with quite a few very good players. Um, they beat Verona three one away from home. Lorenzo Colombo scored twice. One of them was a really really good goal. Um, Kev, I believe you said you saw a little bit of this. Are you going to praise Monza? Uh, well, um, 
Colombo's goal really because he took that so well, sort of just cutting in from the right hand side and just shifting. It's one of those where you almost you almost saw the fear in the defender's eyes as soon as he sort of sort of took that extra yard away from him. You knew he was going to unleash a shot. And um, I don't know. It's one of those where I was doing stuff around the house. It was playing on the playing on the TV, but I thought to myself, I need to. I need to get I need to get on I need to get on Google at some point and actually sort of find out a little bit more about this lad and, and that's what you want from those those sides kicking around the sort of middle of the table. Just someone that sort of makes you show a little bit more interest in them and then sort of you end up going down a, a wormhole and find out that they've 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 got some other player that you'd heard of a couple of years before who's now sort of in their mid mid twenties and I think that's the that's the enjoyment of Sitting down at two o'clock on a Sunday afternoon and watching the sides that generally sort of put it, get put in that slot rather than the you know the classic Saturday and Sunday night slots that they they leave for the the Juve's and I well, nearly said the Fiorentinas of this world but, um, just because <laughs> just, just just because they were first of I mean, it they, they were the home side this evening um, but yeah the, the Milanese Giants and the the Juventus of this world getting those slots so um, it's always nice to. To watch a team like Monza performing like they are, although it was Verona and there, you know, you, you, well, last season you got shit every week, but you, you get a bit less shit this year, and you don't know what you're going to get. Yeah, yeah, I, I find Verona impossible to judge or talk about, to be honest. Um, the other game that we are yet to mention was Cadre Two Genoa One, which you know. You wait ages for a bus. Um, they've won two in a row now, Cagliari. Um, I thought you Vito. meant Genoa defeats for Vito. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be honest, I never actually made the Genoa Vito link there. But um, <laughs> but yeah, so I'll frame it like that then. How chuffed were you to see this, Vito? <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, of course, it's always great to see Genoa lose, uh, first and foremost, you know. But... Um, <laughs> I'm also happy for Ranieri, former Sampdoria coach, with those two wins in a row. And and those two wins, they've helped Kayari climb up the relegation zone. So maybe there's some hope that they can try and avoid the drop. Yeah, Ranieri's so nice. It doesn't have to be that he's an ex-Sampdoria coach, Rio. We can all just like <laughs> we can all just like Ranieri, although of uh, maybe because he's the calorie coach, <laughs> we can't mm. we can't uh, wish him wish him too well this season. But um, there you go. <laughs> yeah. I just got to throw oh, it. Can't in. choose your family, is that the word? Uh, <laughs> True. Although you can, although you can choose your friends. So if you've chosen to work for calorie, then um, you get what's coming. <laughs> They are all of the Serie A games that have happened. Like I say, Frosinone versus Empoli on Monday in the early evening slot and Serena versus Sassuolo in the later slot, if you're that way inclined. Um, Vito, do you want to give us a quick run over of what has gone on in Serie B, which can later be read about? Yes, so um, I'll be writing a piece about uh, the latest action in Serie B for total-italianfootball.com. And looking typical of uh, Serie B this season, Parma won 2-0 at home to Sutiro, and they're, they're well clear in Serie B. But uh, Modena, who were in third, um, they got a big win away to Catanzaro. They bet the Calabrian side 2-1 in 
the Calabrian capital. So that's a valuable win for them. And Catanzaro drops a fourth. Uh, Sampdoria managed to beat uh, Palermo uh, 1-0. So some job security there for Pirlo. And also very detrimental for the Rosanero, who were looking like a contender for promotion as well. So that's just the top bits. But down the bottom, uh, Leco are starting to pick up points. After losing six out of the first seven games, they've managed to get two wins and a draw. Very nice. Um, the last thing I'll mention, which you can you can hear more about this in the coming week, if you sign up to our Patreon, if you haven't already, it's patreon.com forward slash total Italian football. Um, and Connor and I do the women's football show, um, each, well, women's football podcast, I think it's actually called, um, each week. And the main even though the top two played each other this weekend, the main talking point is going to be that Pomiano, one of the teams down the bottom, have, you know, there's not really any other way to say it, announced their intention to withdraw from the league after six games. Um, I think, I think was it the same day? Yeah, it was. Same day that they lost to Samp. They just thought, this is enough for us. We <laughs> we've lost to Samp. Um, and they, they basically cited the penalty that Sam were given, which yeah, ironically was, was converted by a former Pomiano player. Um and she did celebrate as well. They did a little dance. Um <laughs> so it's a big long statement and like I say if if you if you already subscribe you can hear me and Connor talk about it in the coming days. Um and if you want to hear more about it properly you can either go to totalhavenfootball.com there's an article about it or sign up and listen. Um but yeah, it's a big, long statement. They talk about various things, but a lot of it is very specific to this game, where they feel that everything has gone against them, um, which, which is all quite weird, because it's not like Samper, you know, the, the power in in this league. Um, they are prime candidates to possibly go down. I mean, they, they've, they've, they've won two in a row now, which is quite a turn up for the books, but they are going to be down towards the bottom. Um and yeah, they mentioned specifically the penalty. So they've said, we'll, we've communicated directly to the women's football division. The club announces its withdrawal from the league with immediate effect. Um, whether they can actually do that, we don't really know yet. Whether that's something they can legally action, we don't know. But yeah, that's the situation. It's as extraordinary as it is depressing in, in equal measure, really, because there's only 10 teams. So you lose one. That, it all gets very confusing. But yeah, that's a thing that's happened that I didn't think I'd have to talk about really. Kev, you're waving at me. You'd uh, you'd imagine there's some just just with kind of how um how sort of professional football does somewhat mirror sort of amateur and semi professional leagues that for whatever reason if you needed to, if you needed to withdraw from a league there must be a mechanism to do so. Whether this should be the reason for you starting that process uh, will be interesting to hear. And I you'd look think, forward to listening. You'd think that that mechanism would be from a financial perspective, wouldn't you? It'd be, we've gone bust or whatever, or we can't fulfil our travel or fixtures for, for financial reasons. That There would be some sort of avenue, but... 
it, it does literally sound like a tantrum. Um, whether oh, yeah, it's a tantrum much. that's masking something else, whether it is financial stuff and they don't want to admit it or something, I don't know. Um, you know, it's all speculation. Um, but, you know, even if they decide, right, we're, we're not going to, we're going to stop paying the players. So therefore the players aren't going to play um, next weekend. That's, that's going to then incur fines and stuff because that's not fulfilling your fixtures. So, so surely that's not what they want to do. They don't want to do this and end up paying a load of money. Um, so yeah, it's all very weird. Don't know exactly how it's going to transpire, but it's not a good situation. Um, and on that cheery note, I think we're going to call it there. Um, Vita, say goodbye to absolutely everyone. Goodbye, everybody. Well done, Kev. <laughs> goodbye, everybody. Bye. È vero, ci sono cose più importanti di calciatori e di cantanti, ma dimmi cosa c'è di meglio di una continua sofferenza per arrivare alla vittoria e poi non rompermi i coglioni per me. C'è solo l'intero A me che sono innamorato Non venite a raccontare Quello che l'Inter deve fare Perché per noi niente mai normale Né sconfitta né vittoria Che tanto è sempre la stessa storia Un'ora e mezza senza fiato Perché c'è solo l'Inter C'è solo l'Inter Per me Solo l'Inter C'è solo Per me No, non puoi cambiare la bandiera E la maglia nera azzurra Dei campioni del passato Che poi è la stessa Di quelli del presente Io da loro voglio orgoglio per la squadra di Milano perché c'è solo l'Inter e mi torna ancora in mente l'avvocato Frisco lui diceva che la Serie A era il nostro DNA io non rubo il campionato ed in serie non sono mai stato c'è solo l'Inter per me
shame. 